CBS Sunday, after The Equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. You never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. CBS season finale Sunday after The Equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. And we are back, folks, for another edition of the Michigan Basketball Insider. Last week, we gave you a sneak peek inside practice, inside basketball practice, courtesy of a guy who wore that uniform, who was in many practices in Ann Arbor uh, before going on to practice in the NBA as a first-round draft pick and player for about a decade and then going into broadcasting where he does an outstanding job covering the NBA and college basketball. And, of course, he is the expert voice on this podcast every episode. I'm talking about none other than my guy, Tim McCormick. Tim, how are you? I'm doing pretty well, Sam. And and I have to be honest, I know this is a basketball podcast, but I, I want to talk a little bit about Michigan football this week. I know you're good with that. <laughs> um, I can't go too in-depth because in the fourth quarter, as Rutgers was rolling up and down the field against Michigan, I, 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 I made I made a little promise to the football gods that if somehow we could pull this game out and stay undefeated, that I promise I would move on and, and not complain and not break down too much of it. But I want to hear your thoughts on Michigan, Wisconsin. Yeah, I, look, this is a game that will rest, in my opinion, on Michigan's ability to throw the football. At least their their chances to win the game rest on their ability to throw the football. Now, that doesn't mean that you come in and you abandon you know, depart from your identity running the football. It's just recognizing that Wisconsin is the best run defense in the country. You, They aren't losing games. They haven't lost two games this season because the defense was bad. They held Notre Dame's star running back Kyron Williams to 33 yards last week. They lost that game because their offense put them in terrible positions with the quarterback mm-hmm. throwing two pick sixes and not executing in the red zone. Same thing against Penn State. So on the road, though, You're not going to go in there and run it down their throats unless you loosen them up with the passing game. So they got to be able to throw the football in this contest a lot, resting on Cade McNamara's ability to have his best throwing game of the season so far. Yeah, one one quick question. As a non-football guy that loves football, um, I think that Michigan closes their playbook too much to not show what they're capable of with their next opponent. And and I just saw Rutgers linebackers waiting in the hole for Haskins in Corum. There's no way they could run. And the middle of the field was so wide open. Sam, do you agree with that? Or is that just somebody doesn't know football? So when you say the middle of the field, you mean middle of the field to throw the football? Yeah. And, and when I say that, I think that Michigan closes the playbook. It, you know, there, there were so many opportunities to throw behind the linebackers and they didn't do it. I just kept saying, don't worry about Wisconsin and what they're scouting. Just do what works. And same thing running around the end. But I don't know. What do you think? So I think, uh, you know, I, I think that it's, you know, it gets frustrating. But you got to realize two things. They had 12 plays. So that's four straight three and outs. Mm-hmm. And on on one of those drives, it was three straight passes. So what I think is the issue with that game was you could not, complete passes to move the chains. And I, I think it, it really turned, I think Kate McNamara's performance in that game turned on that big hit he took at the end of the first half because you 
You remember he after that was when he he missed the the touchdown to the tight end in the end zone. And then if you just if you go back and you look at the throws, the incompletions, these were these were plays or passes that were open. Uh, that uh, if he if he is himself, then he's hitting those throws. And you just you know you got to be able to hit. If he can't hit those throws, Michigan, there's I don't care what play you call, <laughs> you you are. You're not going to beat Wisconsin if he can't hit those throws. It, it really is as simple as that. Yeah, Cade was drilled. Enough football. Let's move on and talk some hoops, Sam. It's good to talk to you again. Likewise, man. And we really wet the whistle of the fans last week, Tim, with you giving them a glimpse of what you saw in practice. There was so much to touch on with Hunter Dickinson's physical metamorphosis. You talked about Devontae Jones and his shooting ability. You really liked the the growth that you, you've seen out of Brandon Johns. You talked about, man, I, you know, I'm looking around and Eli Brooks is in his fifth year and look at what he brings to the table. I mean, so much that we touched on with the returning guys. We only gave them a little bit of the freshman. And maybe the guy you talked the most about, though, was Caleb Houston you talked about Caleb Houston being a you know this kind of shooter that could really help open the floor for Michigan so let's just start there with Caleb your impressions of him seeing him in practice last week well I I, I don't want to go too far in depth because we did take a pretty good dive last week but you see the potential and and there's a lot of reason why people are predicting him as a top 10 pick maybe even top five he shoots it as advertised I want to see him move without the ball. Uh, and we'll find out more about that when they get into scrimmage after the start of official practice. And also, I'd love to see if he could possibly become a pick-and-roll player. Um, when when I think about what I saw at the Northern Illinois practice, um, I saw kind of a next step before the Rutgers game. And, and I, I kept thinking to myself, is it unfair to expect that Michigan can be better this year? Remember, Livers, Wagner, Smith, Shondi Brown, Austin Davis, those guys averaged a combined 47 points. And they were really good leaders, veteran guys that could defend. Um, so you, you've lost two NBA draft picks. You made it to the Elite Eight. You've got a Big Ten championship. Uh, this team has so much potential, but it really made me think about how incredibly young they are. And we've talked about this in the past, and I think it will be something that we'll watch early with Caleb, is freshmen and a lot of sophomores typically do not defend very well. It takes a long time to, to understand. Uh, it, it's almost like you know, just because you learned how to play checkers doesn't mean you know how to play chess. Like the, They're both board games, but it's a whole different level of understanding. And I think at the beginning of the season that you may see Michigan's defenders still playing checkers, especially the young guys. Absolutely. All right, you're right. We took a deep dive into him last week, and you really talked about loving his shot. And, man, he's going to get some good looks when you consider all the talent that's going to be around him, especially with Hunter in the post. But a guy who could... Uh, come in and spell Hunter, a guy who could come in and spell Brandon Johns, a guy who you said, man, you looked at him as a shooter, and wow, he surprised you at least in one practice, and that's Musa Giabate. Sam, he uh, he reminds me a little bit of a guy named Lloyd Vaught. Um, when 
I came back in the summers to play with the Michigan players before training camp when I was in the NBA. Uh, I, I was pretty much in awe of Glenn Rice and Ramil Robinson. He was dazzling. They had some really, really good players. They went on and won a national championship. But the guy that blew me away was Lloyd Vaught. And for our younger listeners, played 12 years in the NBA, fundamentally sound, outstanding athlete, um, so incredibly strong. And, and, and when I watched Musa play, he's got the same high motor. And I think that Musa's got the ability to defend one through five. And that is really what, what NBA teams are looking for. And they've both got that long body and that strength. And I, I remember during those scrimmages, I played my first couple games against Loy and decided I didn't want to cover him anymore. <laughs> and I switched over to Terry Mills. I wanted no part of Loy, but I think that Musa is that same guy. Uh, he makes the wow plays. He, he's able to score inside with, with, with a, a variety of, of, of versatility. Like he grabs offensive rebounds. He can make a perimeter shot. He's long and athletic. And I think he's the guy that Michigan fans are going to learn to love really quick. Now, I will say this. He needs a lot of coaching. And, and I hope he stays for two years because when you get to the NBA, you need to be pretty advanced. And, and I, I think that even though he could be a, a, a real high draft pick based on the measurables, um, how, how good he looks in a uniform, the way he moves out there, but he'll be a lot better long term if Juwan can spend two years with him. He, he makes it look really, really easy. And, and I think he's most likely to come off the bench this season at both the four and the five. Um, but a lot of games, Sam, he's going to win just because the opponents aren't going to be able to match up with him. I, I just think it's going to be hard to take him off the court. Yeah, you know, the interesting thing was to hear you talk about his motor because I know our, our guys who watched him over the years, and, you know, I only really started paying close attention once he emerged as a Michigan recruit. But the guys who have watched him over the years said, you know, the, the high motor thing was an evolution. Like that, that wasn't always him. He wasn't always a super jackrabbit high energy guy, but he developed that. That, that was an edge that, that he gained. And the same thing, uh, you know, playing away from the bat, shooting the basketball. That's, that's part of his evolution. And if he can... Now, if he can stretch the floor too, and put it on the floor for a few, for a few dribbles, it's like, man, okay, you, you're you're working with something. You're working with a level of versatility that you can guard all five positions and then tax them on the on the on the other end of the floor too. That's a really really tough cover if a, if a big has to come out on the perimeter and try to cover him as well. And thanks for sharing that. I I didn't realize that that there was a point where he was not the high motor guy. Uh, you can get fooled watching a player's highlight video because, you know, you don't see the air ball or the time they got beat on defense. You only see the good stuff. And and he looks like a natural high motor guy to me. And he played with great energy and enthusiasm last Saturday. Well, uh, and, he had, and he has and he, he's been playing that way for a while now. I mean, I, I guess it was like it, when they first started watching him. Uh, you know, when he first hit the AAU scene, they were saying that they certainly weren't saying they weren't saying that last year. It was like, man, this dude is like you. Like, this is a super high energy guy, uh, and that's to to Michigan's benefit. You don't have to work with him on that. That's not something that veterans have to impart upon him. He comes to the table knowing that hey, that's the way you need to play on the floor. 
Yeah, he's um he he's one of the guys that's going to make this team really fun, and and he's the guy that you're gonna you're gonna tune in on some of those games like you know the wife wants to watch a movie tonight or we've got a dinner or a, a movie or whatever. Uh, you you don't you don't want to miss what he does because he's so unique. Yeah, I'm not I'm not calling him. Just one more thing. I'm not saying that he's the same kind of player, but just the the kind of versatility on the offensive end. Would you let him? You know, would you give him the the green light to shoot some threes in the way that Izzo would give Jaron Jackson the year that he was there? No, no, I I wouldn't. Uh, and he's got to earn that. He's still young. Hunter Dickinson was an All-American. He earned the right to shoot some threes. Um, I, I think that that there's so much that Musa is going to have to learn this year. And and if he's wide open, yeah, I, I mean, I'm curious on how he would shoot. But I, no, okay. Jaron Jack, Jaron Jackson at the, at the same point was a much better perimeter shooter. And and when you watch Jaron Jackson, while Musa is possibly a, a transformational player. Jaron Jackson was really special, too, and much better on the perimeter. Gotcha. All right, so let's move on and talk about another highly rated guy. And definitely, if you look at the practice clips that the team puts out, you always see Frankie, you know, Frankie Collins flying through the air, just, uh, you know, throwing one down. And I guess the the part that might surprise some Michigan fans, he's probably one of the shortest guys on the roster. He's going to play this year, Sam. Frankie Collins needs to get on the court this year because of just three having three point guards is so important. If if Eli or Devontae goes down, you've got to make sure Frankie Collins is ready to go. Uh, and and I and I think that in the non conference, he's going to get that opportunity to to back up Devontae and and let Eli spend most of his time at the shooting guard. And and Frankie's small, we knew that. Really good lateral quickness, just phenomenal. Uh, his shot needs to upgrade. I think he's the best dunk dunker on the team. I'm not sure who else you would even put on that list. Uh, really good energy, and and I also was was really kind of struck by the fact that sometimes you can watch a player and you just know he loves to compete and 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 loves the game. Um, and and so and I also believe that. Frankie Collins' greatest asset is getting schooled every day by Jones and Brooks. I, I do think <laughs> he's their point guard of the future. All right, so the guy that I've been talking about all offseason, I just I feel like he's going to play a role as a freshman, and I admit to not thinking that that was going to be the case when he first committed, but I just think Kobe Bufkin, uh, I mean, he's he's a guy who who factors into the conversation uh, in that point guard conversation, because they view him as a as a true combo, uh, you know he can uh, he can shoot it a good clip, uh, whether it be coming off screens or off the dribble. I mean, my biggest question about him was physically would he be ready to compete? Not skill wise, physically would he be ready to compete as a freshman? But clearly, over the last year, he's really worked on his body too. Tim, I'm I'm curious what you saw from Kobe in practice. Yeah, he's a future star. He he oozes potential. He's really long and athletic. He's active with, with this massive wingspan. Um, I expect him to be a two-way player down the line. I think he's got a really good shot. He moves well. And as I, I watched him, this is kind of a dangerous game to play sometimes. Um, but he reminds me a little bit of a young Calbert Chaney at Indiana. Um, and, and, and please don't interpret that like he's going to be an all-time great in the Big Ten. It's, it's just a name that popped into my head. 
as as a first impression. And also, there's a reason that Kobe Bufkin was a McDonald's All-American. And he's a, a three-level scorer, just a beautiful shooter. And I think you're completely accurate in your praise of him. All right. So a, a guy that maybe the, the fans didn't hear as much about, but you could argue at least, and I have heard some do this, say, man, the guy with the highest upside, it might be Isaiah Barnes. It might be him. Tim, and I'm curious what you saw from Isaiah. Well, he intrigues me. And 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 he's the reason Michigan has the number one class in college basketball. Uh, and, and when I say that, if if Isaiah Barnes is your fifth or sixth best recruit at most Big Ten schools, I think that Isaiah Barnes would be in the rotation this year, getting eight or ten minutes a game. You, you don't think that that Nebraska or Rutgers or Northwestern wouldn't love to get a guy like that on the court? And in Michigan, he's probably a redshirt candidate. I I haven't talked to anybody about that, but it's just it's it's really difficult to envision that that he's going to be able to get minutes this year. He can play the two and the three. Shot mechanics are good. I, I was I was impressed. He plays hard, and and it, it's going to be really difficult. Um, Michigan's best depth this year has got to be on the wing, and if somebody goes down with an injury, I think that Isaiah Barnes could be a player. All right. And then Will Cheddar. We talked about Will Cheddar some last week. You said you think he's a he's a five-year guy. Break down his game. Uh, give me a comparison. Give the fans, the listeners a comparison for Will Cheddar. So, Sam, Will did not practice the last two Saturdays. And it was funny because um, at the, the Northern Illinois game, I was kind of distracted because, as you may recall, that was not much of a game. And I was thinking back to the players and what I had seen. And, and I thought, gosh, I, I'm not a very good analyst because I was really anxious to watch Will Cheddar play. And he didn't do anything. I never saw him make any, any shots. And, and so I was curious and I checked. He did not pl- practice um, the last two Saturdays. And I don't know why. He was at practice. He was helping out. He looked healthy, had a big smile on his face. Um, probably something minor. I'm not sure. Definitely don't want to speculate. Mm-hmm. I gotcha. All right. And so the other piece of this, and we we talked a little about Zeb last year and how he fits into the mix with so many young guys coming in, but he has the benefit of experience in the system. Uh, you know, so a chance to work on his game and grow his game over time. I, I think we've learned some things about what he isn't in the short time he's been a Wolverine, but, but what do we know about what he is, Tim? What do you, what do you see Zeb Jackson being for this team this year and beyond? <laughs> well, first of all, he could be my friend. I, I mean, he's so likable. He's a really good guy. And, and I think that, that Zeb and Kobe will, will be competing for backup minutes at the shooting guard spot. Uh, I, I would not give up hope on Zeb Jackson he didn't shoot well as a freshman, and and it's tough on first-year players. The game is so fast. He missed shots early, lost confidence, never got it back. And and there was a, a time during the practice that something happened that kind of jumped out at me. Juwan blew the whistle, told everybody to stop, and he got right in Zeb's face and said, Zeb, let it fly. I want you to shoot. And And I thought, it's a brilliant move because as a coach, you you want guys to never have the excuse in the back of their mind, should I shoot, should I not shoot? 
and and I um I think Zeb is is going to be a versatile player. He's kind of like Terrence Williams. We haven't really gone into Terrence that much, mm-hmm. but I remember Terrence basically won the Michigan Oakland game last year, coming in against that zone, playing with Hunter with that familiarity. I think Zeb Jackson's got the ability to do some of those things, and and right now is as we're trying to project how this team is going to be. I, I do think Michigan's got Final Four potential, uh, but they've got seven first-year players, counting freshmen and transfers. Hunter, Zeb, Jace, Terrence, they're all, all one-year players. So that means 11 of the 14 guys have one or two years of ex- I mean, say, Let me say it again. They've got one or zero years of experience. So this team is incredibly young. I think that they're going to be bigger. I think they're going to be better on the glass. Probably not as good shooting the ball. Um, I think that they'll be better driving to the basket. But there's so many questions that we don't know about because of their youth. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see see how they look once they all get on the court. How deep do you think this rotation is going to be? I'm I'm always a believer that that you can't play over ten guys mm-hmm. and and be a real good team. I'm not saying that in the non-conference that 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 you you might experiment. You you know you'll go deeper than ten when when you get a, a you know a non-conference game against Cleveland State. But when you get into the Big Ten and you're playing Indiana on the road, you know ten's a lot to play, and it may not even go to ten some games. Right, no doubt, no doubt. All right, so Tim, they had a a big time visitor. Well, I guess we we do need to dedicate a little bit of time to Terrence real quick before we move on. I know he's not a freshman, and we dedicated most of the conversation here to freshmen. But what about what about Terrence Williams? I mean, I know this is a if if there is a guy whose temperament on the floor is the embodiment of Jawan Howard, I think it's Terrence with Terrence Williams. Good call. And I was, I was trying to think where his minutes will come. And when, when you look at the four and the five, I think that, that Hunter and Moose are are really going to share that position. And especially early, you might see Brandon Johns and Terrence Williams sharing the power forward. Now, now there, there's, there's probably not going to be 15 minutes or more for Terrence Williams. But but I I could see that he's good enough that you want him out there, and at six seven two forty with his skill set, he can play all over the court. In some situations against smaller teams, he could even play some backup center. But but he, he's very versatile, and he's just a, a really good player to have on your team because he can fit so many different roles. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, so uh, Michigan had a big time visitor on campus. Uh, a couple of the big time visitors. One one was committed in Terrence uh, in Terrace Reed, but then Yawan Treor made it in the five star big man. So prior to his visit, so in the build up, the lead into the visit, the day before, I talked to his cousin Daniel Ihambe to get uh, just a read on what they think of Jawan, what they think of Michigan pre visit, uh, what they think of the coaching staff, what they're looking for. Among the teams, because it, it's it's Michigan, it's Memphis, and right after the Michigan visit, uh, they went to Memphis. Then they'll be going to Kansas. He's already been to Texas Tech. He's going to round out his visit schedule with UCLA. So I wanted to get a feel for what they're looking for, what's going to separate one school from the rest. So we'll pause for the cause. When we come back on the other side, I'll give you that chat with 
with Daniel and then Tim and I will sort of break down how we think this could look, what we think of of the upside for Yawan Traor. We'll get to that when we return here on the Michigan Basketball Insider. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel it in my I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus. doing some profiles on Yuan, so I want to be able to speak with a little bit of knowledge. So uh, I just want to get a little background first, man, because he his his summer, his spring and summer, they were unbelievable. And so I, I'm just curious. I you know, saw him at the end at the NBA camp, and it's like, wow, this dude has just really exploded. And I guess I'm, I, I'm first curious with did you see it coming? Was there something that forecasted what was on the horizon? Um, I definitely saw it coming. You know, uh, I think that, you know, with him, you know, facing the adversity that he was dealt with over at Prolific um, and not playing, I feel that um, it was something in his eyes. There was a hunger that, you know, was in him. There was a drive that, you know, I never want to experience what I experienced this past year with not playing, knowing that I have a talent. So I definitely felt like he had like an aura about him that most kids would just give up and just accept their role of not being, you know, being a five minute guy. But he, for him, he was like, I'm not going to wait till next year to, to, to change and let people and put people on notice. I'm gonna put people on notice um, before my first uh, AAU game and being by, by being in the gym and, you know, three times a day and working my, my tail off. Mm. All right. So one of the apparent revelations, at least before I saw him, you know, mm-hmm. the way he was described to me was that, you know, he's he's a guy 15 feet and in. He's a he's an in the paint dude watching mm-hmm. him this summer. It was like, what were they talking about? I mean, man, he was <laughs> facing up, putting it on the deck. They robbed yeah. him of a three. I mean, he I thought he hit a three at the NBA camp. They, they robbed him, but he shot that confidently. So I'm like, OK, yeah. so who got it twisted? Who was wrong? Or did he just develop like that? Who was what? I said, who got it wrong? I mean, were people just wrong? Did they just not know? Or did he develop that part of his game just rapidly? Um, I think that um, he's always had it in his game. Like, you know, you can tell, like, he always had the touch and um, the feel to shoot a three. But I think that, you know, a lot of coaches put a lot of their players on leashes. So, you know, him getting in the gym, you know, I've been I've been the one training him. I just kind of, you know, I just I took that leash off. Mm-hmm. I said, if they tell you that you can't shoot the three, well, we're going to work on making the three. Let's just get in here, you know, put a lot of reps up and shoot the three. And that was something that he kind of, uh, <clears throat> that he just kind of, uh, you know, he, he just lived in the gym. He just lived in the gym. 
got shots up, got shots up, shot every, like, you know, before, after every workout, you know, we try to get up, you know, hit a hundred threes from each spot, make, not just shoot, make. So, mm, mm. so, you know, I'm better than anyone. For people who haven't seen you on play, kind of break, break down his game. Give me a scouting report. Maybe compare him. Uh, who might he compare to in college or the pros if there is a, a good comparison? Um, I would say a good comparison to him would be a uh, you know Anthony Davis with a little with with the potential to be somewhat of a uh, possible. Uh, um, Jason Tatum, but I would say I would I would say more so of an Anthony Davis, someone that you know it's really elite from that 15 to 18 feet. That jumper is just you know dynamic, has great post moves. You know you throw the lob to him, he's gonna go up there and get it, dunk it because he dunks everything. Um, is able to step out to the three pointer, you know shoot a three, you know create off that dribble, uh, whether it's a DHO or you know coming off a down screen, a shot for himself and for his teammates. Um, can definitely he's super unselfish is always looking for someone to cut down the you know the lane and you know when you give to him in the that like uh sort of that mellow spot he's always looking for cutters and he's quick to pass the ball uh to you know his teammates very very unselfish um defensively i i feel like he doesn't he doesn't get as much credit he's you know because he's 610 611 most people want want him to be an elite shot blocker but I feel like he's a player that can guard the one through five. I think he can develop a little bit better. I think he can. I mean, his stats speak. He's averaged about two blocks per game for the summer. Mm -hmm. um, every every camp that he played in, he was at least you know one one point one point five to two blocks a game um, when he played, averaging. But I feel like he can definitely get down and defend your point guard, and you know turn him and turn him and even you know make him turn over the ball. So that's just a little insight of you know. Great footwork, great feel for the game. Um, those are things that I feel like, you know, just a little, you know, kind of. Uh, nah, that's, that's perfect, kind of man. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. All right, so now take me into his Michigan recruitment for it because for a long time, you know, we see them. They were clearly watching him, watching Juwan mm -hmm. at camps and mm -hmm. whatnot. But they weren't one of the teams that has sprung with an offer. So kind of give mm -hmm. it to me from y'all's perspective. When did y'all notice Michigan? What were they saying to you? And – and when they jumped in, were you expecting it? Um, I, you know, the first time uh, Jawan Howard was able to come and watch his son play Jet out in uh, in uh, in, uh, in Dallas. So Jawan at the time was playing with Southern Assault. Um, I can't think of the team that Jet was playing that he plays for, but uh, they 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 matched up against each other. And Jawan literally in the first half, I think he had about twenty one points. And he went, I think, eight for eight from the field. Straight, no dunks, straight jumpers. And Juwan Howard, you know, it being that his son played on the team, he was able to, you know, be front and center to watch his son play. You know, but, you know, Juwan, you know, he's, you know, he has an eye for talent. Um, he's going to see who else is on the floor. And Juwan having the game that he had, you know, I was kind of, from a distance, I was, I was watching you know, Juwan's reactions. And, you know, Juwan, you know, most coaches are not going to react too much because, you know, they're very they're professional. And Juwan is an excellent, he's very professional. But um, <clears throat> I just noticed, you know, from his, him, like, his, you know, the raise of his eyebrows or, 
you know, kind of scoot, scooting in his seat, like, man, let me pay a little bit more attention to <laughs> who this kid is because, you know, I, I haven't heard of him. Like, who is this kid? But, you know, I feel like, you know, a lot of coaches, they, t- they tend to feel like, well, maybe he's just hot. But I felt in my spirit that when Juwan saw him, that he was like, I'm seeing a younger version of me. Mm. Yeah. And when, you know, when he was able to see that, he was like, man, I would love to really get my hands on him and really develop his game. So, you know, I kind of, I felt like the offer was already there, but them being, you know, you know, you know, you know, him being a division one basketball coach, coaching on the NBA level, being an NBA basketball player, playing division one basketball, he wasn't too quick to offer him. It was more so let me really watch him. Let me dissect his game. And then from there we'll offer him. And I felt like the offer was there the first game he saw him, but they were professional about, okay, going through the process and really examining his game and getting more, you know, getting more eyes on him outside of Juwan and Saudi Washington to really see, okay, is this one that we want to, you know, kind of write a ticket to? Yeah, man, so. I, I was, like I said, I was at the at the NBA uh, Players Association camp. And so all three, you know, it was yeah, Phil Martelli, Howard Isley, Saudi Washington, all three of them yeah. were there. And yeah. I don't know, it just seemed, because he was obviously balling out there too. Mm-hmm. And it just felt significant that they were all there watching him do his thing, show that face-up game. He's playing with Jet. It just seemed like a lot of things. Maybe the offer was going to come, but it just to me, outside looking in, it kind of seemed like that seal, the offer deal. Did y'all feel that way? I, I feel like, um, like I said before, I feel like, you know, obviously at the NBA camp, um, it's. I think he got offered before that. Okay. But I think that, you know, personally, in my personal opinion, and it could be different if you talk to Saudi and you talk to their staff with Juwan and everyone, that it was, it was when there. they saw him. It was there. But in my personal opinion, I felt as if it was there when they saw when Juwan saw him in Dallas. That's I mean, so that's significant because so you guys because one of the things that they say I'm just talk, throwing the metaphorical they just people out there that mm-hmm. they say is oh well, hey man Michigan got in they offer later than all these other schools so they're at a disadvantage. Is what would you say to people who say that? I would say that uh, you know everybody has their own opinion and they're they're obligated to their opinion, but you know, the fact is, is that they offered and they're in the mix. Gotcha. All right. So tell me, obviously, this is prior to the visit. So you're going to see some some things that sort of uh, shape your opinion of or shape your Juan's opinion of Michigan going in. But just right now, what would you say he likes about Michigan? What does he like most? What are his impressions of Michigan at this point? Well, um, I would say the impressions we obviously got to, you know, kind of, you know, get out there and, you know, feel the vibe in Ann Arbor. I've heard a lot of great things. He's heard a lot of great things about them from, you know, him knowing Musa, who was a, a fellow Frenchman of his. Um, um, but I would say that, you know, from watching and hearing what they've been talking about as far as, you know, <clears throat> the development aspect, learning from an, a guy that played that same position that Yuan played, he played the exact same position and excelled and had a 17 year career in the NBA. It's like, um, or excuse me, 19 years, I don't want to sell them short, um, but 19 years in the NBA, it's like I can learn a lot from him when it comes to how to, you know, not only become a, a, a NBA player, but be a long-lasting NBA player. A lot of people, 
a lot of people can say that they were NBA players, but not a lot of them can say I had 19 years under my belt. <laughs> no doubt. You know, not a lot, not too many people can say that. And, uh, you know, just the, the, the way that they, they play and how they, you know, a lot of, a lot of teams, um, you know, a lot of teams, they don't really use their bigs like that. And if they are using their bigs, their bigs are just straight on the block where, you know, Juwan and the staff there, they've been adamant. And, you know, then you can also see with your eyes that not only are your, your bigs playing on the block, but they're stepping out 15 feet. They're catching it in the mid post area, shooting, shooting those jumpers, creating for others. You know, they're cutting, they're, they're stepping out to the three, their point guards are dropping it off in that little, you know, um, dropping it off as they drive. So, you know, Juwan is excellent in that area when you're catching the drop, great hands, good feet to go back up. And, you know, he's always going to go up and dunk it. But he's also great at where you can kick it out to him at the three-point line, shoot the shot, shoot a three, hit it, but also, you know, pump fake and create and get to the basket. So I feel like Michigan has all of those dynamics to, you know, complement his game. Um, they, they like from from what I've seen and you know what they've talked about. So you mentioned he knows Musa, and I have heard that. I mean, would you call them friends? Has he talked to Musa at all about his Michigan experience? Have they connected on that front? Um, I'm not. I'm not exactly sure if they connected on that that standpoint, but I know that you know they have had conversations. They you know they believe they grew up playing ball together when they were younger. So um, you know they have that relationship. But where if they've talked about it. Um, I, I know that they, they've talked a little bit, you know, but, you know, they'll probably, they'll definitely talk more once they get, you know, right. together. Yeah. Right. So, I, I mean, who knows if, I mean, Musa might be one and done, but the idea, yeah. the idea of teaming up with Michigan, I mean, with Musa, would, is that a lure? Is that a consideration or is that something he, you don't even factor into the equation? I mean, I think that that's something that he probably would consider into, uh, um, into his decision because, you know, um, you know, uh, I feel like, you know, him being with someone that speaks the same language as him, you know, it, it kind of gives you that, you know, that French, um, you know, connection. Mm -hmm. You know, most guys, you know, though it's not not everywhere you're going to go, you're going to find someone that speaks French. But it's always, you know, it, it, it's beneficial to have that, you know, you know, uh, that uh, that connection with people that, you know, Right. Uh, to be able to speak French with them. Right, right. All right. So so let's say, I mean, maybe Musa isn't one and done. He he has game like that. There's another uh -huh. big there's a big already in the class in Terrace Reed. And so that was one of the one of the things that was talked about. Hey man, could could they really could they really play together? Could they uh -huh. could their games complement one another? Is that uh -huh. is that something you guys have thought about, have talked about, have looked at? What do you think about that? Um we we've talked about it. You know, that's something that we, we know we are, you know, we've definitely looked at, but, you know, you know, I think that, you know, even preparing to go to the NBA, like, you don't, you're not, everybody is an elite player. Everybody was a top player, if not top 10 player in their class going into college. So, you know, it's, it's going to be something that he's going to be able to, uh, you know, help himself going forward um, in the sense of like, uh, you know, competing against another top guy. I mean, right. That you know, we're not going to run from you know from anyone. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, and I certainly wasn't suggesting that. More so is is that appealing? The idea of teaming with uh -huh. the terrorists, just like you say. I mean, it's it maybe is appealing on a different uh, on a different front or tip with uh, with Musa because they they are you know they're countrymen. 
but mm-hmm. I mean, just the idea of being like a twin tower, both both guys being interchangeable, can play face up, can play in the paint. Uh, is that something that is appealing more so than it be something that he would maybe be you know f- turned off by? Uh, not nothing turned. I don't think that he's turned off by it at all. I feel like it's something that it's like you know, hey, let's let's win together. Let's make each other better every single day. You know, so I don't think it's anything that's turned off. Yeah. All right. So so do this for me. Let's pretend. Well, well, first of all, I don't know. Like, who who are the other schools that he's that he's visited or going to visit? Like the the teams that he is considering the most right now. Um, I think that um, we visited we we visited Texas Tech. Um, we plan to right after we finish with Michigan, we plan to visit Memphis. Then after Memphis, we have Kansas, and then we have uh, UCLA. Gotcha. All right. So let's pretend that it's the point in your Juan's journey where he's getting ready to sit down and make a decision. When he does that, what are going to be the most significant factors in that choice, you think? Say it again. When he gets ready to sit down and pick a school, that when that moment comes, when he does that, what are going to be the most significant factors in that choice? Oh, I would say, you know, um, obviously style of play and fit, um, you know, and, you know, being able to be on, you know, not just they come in and have an immediate impact on the team's, um, um, you know, uh, journey, um, you know, with, you know, playing time and, you know, you know, all of that other jazz, um, you know, trust. Um, being able to, you know, really trust their kids, coaches are going to put him in the right position to for success and, you know, help him, you know, aspire to, you know, reach his ultimate goal, which is, you know, to be a 15-year pro, you know, a 15-year-old, a 15-year, you know, not just pro because playing overseas, you're considered a pro, but a 15-year NBA vet that can potentially, you know, be a Hall of Famer. Those, those, I would say, and then also, you know the alumni. You know, I think that a lot of people like. I think that's a, that's really important is to be able to have, you know, a, a group of people that you can call brothers and sisters whenever you're done playing ball to come back and pick their brains on you know different business ventures or you know just to have you know connections because you know connections really take you a, a long way just by people that you know and people that you shared something in common with. It takes you it t- take you a long way. Yeah, no doubt, man. And so timeline wise. Uh, is he, I mean, is this a November decision? Is he waiting? Is he looking to go longer than that? What's the timeline for him picking a school? Um, I, I mean, I can tell you, you know, it's all about feel for him. You know, it could be a November thing. It could be a end of the year thing. You know, it just depends on, you know, the feel and if it feels right, you know, um, if, 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 if it's a need of, you know, let's, let's hold off on it, you know, then we'll hold off on it. But it just all depends because you know that, you know, you know, a lot of these coaches in, in this recruitment journey, it's a lot about, you know, um, what they can tell you. <laughs> right. But the most important thing yeah. is what can you show me? Yeah. So being able to really watch and see what they do throughout the year as far as, you know, style of play, as far as who comes back and who leaves. It could be a position. It could be a situation where it's a it's a it's a, 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 a at the end of the year. It all depends. You know, so. Right. Right. And that's a good that's a great place to sort of leave off, because I want you to on the way out kind of tell me you mentioned coaches. So what what do you think and what does Jawan think of Jawan? I mean, give, give me your thoughts, your and his thoughts, impressions of Jawan Howard as a coach, Jawan Howard as yeah. a guy. Well, I mean, um, 
I think that, you know, just, uh, I'll, I'll start off with Yuan. Uh, Yuan is very, you know, he's a, uh, he's, he's quiet. Um, uh, but for, you know, I've seen them interact when you want, uh, Juwan came out here and, uh, you know, was recruiting him. I, I noticed that, uh, you, you know, Yuan was laughing and, you know, was like a lot more open with Juwan, I guess, over the time of them building that relationship and them having that rapport together, that he was a lot comfortable to talking to him and, you know, just, you know, being, being just, just open and talk, just, you know, just kind of talking. So I feel like, you know, he's really comfortable with him. Um, uh, he likes him, um, obviously, because if he didn't like him, he wouldn't be taking a visit. <laughs> right. Uh, right. <laughs> but uh, I think that he definitely, you know, he likes him. He, uh, he enjoys, you know, you know, talking to him and learning, you know, just little, uh, um, you know, nicks and ch- uh, ch- uh, tricks of the, of the, of the game. So, that's something that I could say speaking on. And when was Ju- really when was Juwan out there? He came out here a couple of days ago. Okay, so he was just yeah. out there. Okay. Yeah, but they've also been talking obviously over the you know the past few months. So they built a personal relationship. But that oh excuse me, that would have to be a question that you would want to you know kind of uh, ask, ask Juwan. Ask yeah, because I, I mean I can't speak too. But for me personally, um, I grew up. You know, um, I mean I didn't. I wasn't blessed with, you know, six ten a six ten stand uh, stature, but I did grow up seeing Juwan Howard play for the Dallas Mavericks coming from the D- Dallas area. Mm-hmm. And uh my impression of him was exactly what I always felt when I watched him play. Um I felt like, you know, Juwan was a competitor, but he 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 was uh he had a high character about himself. He didn't need to be I mean, when he was in college, you know, I, I could tell that, you know, he dunked on you. He's going to let you know that he dunked on you. But I can see that as he became a professional, it was, this is what I'm supposed to do. Right. It's not, I don't need to too much, you know, act out of character just because, you know, I dunked on you or I scored 30 points on you. Um, I just felt like, you know, he was extremely um, professional. And he, he, like, obviously with him having children of his own, that he truly cares about the people that he's involved with. That he's gonna, you know, bend his back to help those that, you know, he has uh, an opportunity to coach or, you know, to encounter and deal with. I just, I really felt that genuine um, care from him, just you know, being able to be with him and talk to him and just wanted to give insight and um, just pick his brain on how this basketball industry kind of works. Gotcha. And then Saudi, you mentioned Saudi. What's your impressions of Saudi? Oh, Saudi's amazing. That's my guy right there. Saudi, he's, he's, you know, very genuine, keeps it real, doesn't hide anything. He's not going to speak on something that he doesn't know. He's not going to tell you. He's not going to feed you uh, BS. He's going to say, well, you know, I can't speak on that because I don't know. I won't know until I'm able to coach. And, you know, most coaches like, oh, we're going to make it one and done. Oh, well, this is our, we're going to do this. This is They'll give you all of this, feed you all of this, these sweets. But then, you know, sometimes sweets aren't always good for you. Where Saudi, you know, he's not gonna he's not gonna feed you sweets. He's gonna he's gonna feed you the truth that the real is gonna say to you, uh, well, I haven't coached him. I mean, I see his potential. I don't know his work ethic. I don't know what he's got and his attitude. I don't know how he's gonna be when so those are things that I need to get around him to really be able to tell you if he's gonna be that. But as of you know, from what I hear and what I'm seeing, I mean, he's on that trajectory. So until so I feel like Saudi is someone that you know is very transparent and has that genuine care as well. And wants to see the best for 
every individual that he comes across. That's that's fire, man. That's exactly what I was looking for. So I appreciate you taking the time tonight. This was fire. Uh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right, thanks. All right, Tim. So that was Daniel Ihambe. That's uh, Yawan's cousin. He came on a visit with his cousin and his uncle. And uh, you know, you you have the a couple of things that are working in Michigan's favor. You have Musa Giabate, his fellow countrymen, and they, you know, these are two guys who know each other already. They they played some. I don't know if it was against one another or with one another, but I know they played together uh, as young Frenchmen. Uh, and they talked about Michigan before the visit. So, you know, Musa is around to at least tell him about Michigan. I don't know if he would be around to play with. But you have that. You also have this this burgeoning connection. He really seems to like and have an affinity for for Jawan because Jawan has walked in the shoes that he wants to walk down the path that he wants to walk. And we've heard that with big guys to this point. Terrace Reed said that. Hunter Dickinson said that. Maybe it'll work with Jawan Traor, too. I um, I, I feel like I know his game very well. Um, he was at the top 100 camp, and I watched probably half of his games because he was with Jed Howard and Doug McDaniel. Um, I talked to him at practice. I talked to him and, and also his family at the tailgate. Uh, they, they travel as a big group, and there's a lot at stake, and, and so he's got a great support. Um, I was laughing, Sam, because you saved me a little bit. Because at the top 100 camp, I was calling him Johan. <laughs> so he was probably like, man, I'm going to be in the NBA. You should learn my name. <laughs> so so I came up and I, I I made a little bit of a comeback with him by by pronouncing it Johan. And, and we got along even better. Uh, but there there's no doubt. He's the prototype one and done NBA player. Absolutely. Almost seven foot freak athlete can switch and play pick and roll against anybody. I, I could see him covering point guards in pick and roll situations. He plays hard. He's mature. He's skilled. He just, he, I don't think anybody could say that um, if you said that he moves a little bit like a young Chris Weber, I don't think anybody could deny that. I, like I, the, the, he just has it. And, and that might sound like hyperbole, but, and it's unfair to compare a high school player to hall of famer, but you know what I'm saying? Big, strong, skilled. He, he just looks like an NBA player. He's just a little bit young. Um, and so, the question you may ask me is, what do you think, Tim? Is, is he going to go to Michigan? And, and to be blunt and completely honest, I say absolutely not. I, I, don't, I just don't see it. Um, he's got 10 schools on his list. And, and I watched him at practice, and he loved the coaches and the facilities and the players and the campus. But the thing that, that worries me, he's going to be in the NBA in 20 months. And, and, and I was trying to put myself in his mind, if he comes back to Michigan, if, if he's a, if he's a Wolverine, he's saying to himself, okay, what if Hunter Dickinson comes back next year? And why would that be? Well, you know, he just tested the NBA waters and, and was told he's not ready. Um, what if he ha- has some type of an injury and he can't really play um, and do the things he's capable of? We've seen that all the time. Like, like why did Kofi Coburn come back again? Um, what if Musa Giabati returns? May Maybe same scenario. What what if he's just not quite there this year? What if Brandon Johns had uh, an unbelievably surprising season and Musa just didn't get the reps? Um, Terrace Reed is an absolute stud, and he's going to be Michigan center after Hunter Dickinson leaves. Um, th- there's a lot of really good competition at the four and the five. And so it just, it, it, it seems like, 
it seems like Yohan's got a lot of options where he's going to step onto a campus. He's going to get featured. Maybe there are NIL considerations there. Um, I don't think that distance matters because he's living in Napa Valley and he's from France. Like, like we, we kind of joked about that, that, that he doesn't worry. He can go play anywhere and it's not a big deal. Um, but I just thought that there's way too much potential competition at the four and the five, Sam. I, I might be crazy and I didn't hear that from him. I didn't hear that from anyone. I just think that there's a lot of depth and, and he's going to want to go somewhere and be the man right away. So, you know, it's interesting uh, it, it's not this is this is not sort of taking into consideration, um, you know, Hunter coming back or Musa coming back. You know, the question was obviously about Ter- Terrace Reed. So it's it's not uh, directly applicable to the point you're making. Uh, but in talking to Daniel, I was asking I asked him a question about, hey, playing with Terrace Reed. I mean, what does he think about that? And I was more asking the question of do you think the games mesh not do you see having another big there as a d- deterrent and his mm-hmm. reply was hey we don't run from competition we don't we we look at it as like hey you're, when you go to the nba every guy was the top guy on this college team every guy was a top 100 player coming in so you got to be ready to to deal in that environment and that doesn't mean that he will look past a loaded front court but it it what it does do is it positions it as not a disqualifier for Michigan because frankly, I think Michigan absolutely. I mean, they didn't, they, I thought they brought him on campus with Terrace Reed for a reason. Like, Hey, we got another big and you need to be, I think there'd be very blunt with him and saying, Hey, make the decision like Hunter's coming back, make the decision like Musa is going to be here because we want you, even if those guys are back. And if, if you want to come, there could be a role. There will be a role for you. It may not be a starting role, but hey, we just saw we just saw in the last two drafts Patrick Williams and Scotty Barnes go into the NBA as as lottery picks as bench players. Mm-hmm. So so there can be a way if you choose for that to be a way. I'm not sure if NIL plays. And I guess there's some sort of foreign, um, you know, limitation. Some limitation for foreigners with NIL. So I, I don't know how much that's going to play into his thought process. But if you're absolutely right, if if, you know, bodies at the position, talented bodies at the position, if that's a consideration for him, then he will not go to Michigan. I'm just not convinced right now, Tim, that that that's the case, that he is looking at it like, you know what? I Here's what here's this will be the clue. How long does he wait to make a decision? Like if he pushes it until the spring then he's waiting to see who's coming back and who's going, all right? And maybe at that point, it's a it's a benefit to Michigan because then he would know if Hunter and Musa are going, right? Uh, but if he pushes it out to the late signing period, then I think that that would be a nod to, hey, he's waiting to see who's going to be around uh, versus going to the draft. I, I think that that you brought up so many good points, and and I am doubly intrigued by this now. And it kind of reminds me of, you know, like the J.J. McCarthy, Cade McNamara, like mm-hmm. like J.J. McCarthy is not afraid of any competition. But at some point, you know, you, you can only play one quarterback. There's only so many snaps in a game. And and same thing. Ter- Terrace Reed really impressed me. This dude is big and he's strong and, and he's got a really bright future. Like he's not coming to Michigan to sit on anybody's bench. And and we just don't know what's going to happen with the big guys that Michigan has on the court now. And so, 
it's going to be um, it's going to be a really fun story because Yohan may say, look, I'm the man wherever I go, no matter what. And, and I could care less who's there because they're going to have to play behind me. So yeah. um, really intriguing. And, and I'm in, I'm enjoying all of your commentary on the recruiting roundup about it because you made some good points. Yeah. And man, you know what, Tim, I, I guess I appreciate Michigan's approach because they're all cards on the table. Look, we got Terrace Reed. Look, Musa could come back. I, I, we think Hunter's going. Everyone thinks Hunter is going, but is it a guarantee? Can you say 100%? I mean, no, you can't say 100%. So that's all out there. Uh, and if it's if it doesn't work, if that doesn't work for you, we we get it, young man. We can go to the portal and find someone. I think that's kind of the kind of the approach. But if if you are a competitor, don't you you see the tweets for competitors only? That <laughs> that goes for recruiting too, Tim. I mean, they're telling recruits that too. For competitors only. If you want to compete, you can come compete here. Come compete with the best. So we'll see. I can't wait, Sam. And it was good talking Michigan hoops with you again this week. Absolutely, folks. Another one in the books. Until next time, thanks for listening to the Michigan Basketball Insider.